Good morning, Metro, live and online. My name is Pastor Tiffany Brown, and uh, I'd like to welcome you to today's edition of At the Table. Uh, this morning, it's going to be an awesome service, but right before Bishop comes, I'd love for you to hear a testimony uh, of, of a daughter of Metro. Um, and I'm really excited about this because I've been watching this transformation uh, pretty closely. Actually, it started uh, while I was gone, actually a little bit before I was gone, but I'm excited to talk to you about it and for you to hear about it. If you would, please give a warm Metro City welcome. Um, give me some hearts for Nina Jones. Please have a seat if you would. Take that microphone. Good morning, Nina. A little bit. No, no, keep talking. Good morning. There you go. Thank you, Durant. You're awesome. We appreciate you back there. Um, I know you got this look on your face like you're a little bit nervous. Little uh, but bit. your hair is cute, girl. Thank you. I did it myself. I did it myself. I've been watching this, this little transformation like lately. Like, you've been on your J, Pippin. <laughs> I you. absolutely love it. Um, it's just a conversation between you and I. Okay. Is that all right? Yes. Nia and I talk uh, pretty often. I get the, I'm the, have the honor of being God, Gotti to uh, <laughs> Olivia Ray, and uh, it's awesome. She's uh, always keeping me abreast of what's going on with her. My God, the pictures and videos you should see. <laughs> um, and so, so I think we're going to jump straight into the picture or to the story. I don't know if you remember. In fact, I think it's an interesting idea to ask this question. A couple of weeks ago, Bishop Johnson challenged some of us to take communion for 30 days. Did anybody else take that challenge? Raise your hand really high, 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 so Bishop can see. Really high, high, high. Really dope. I, I love that. Um, most of my girls did it, and Nina, you were one of them, right? Yes. Tell me... Um, Chill, women. You, you're, you're all good. Uh, tell me, tell me why you decided to take communion for thirty days. Um, more so to challenge my faith, and um, yeah, to challenge my faith in how serious this is for me. Serious this is for you. What what are you talking about? Maybe uh, give us a little bit of of. Maybe before Elder Yule gave the prophecy, just a little bit, and what your decision was as a result, you know, coming. It wasn't just Elder Yule's prophecy. It was, no. you know, a few things. Tell, tell us what was going on, what was going on in your life. Um, a catastrophic mess. <laughs> you said a catastrophic mess? <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. um, the ish hit the fan. I love that. She said the ish hit the fan. Anybody know what ish is? <laughs> Uh-huh, that's good. Um, I love that. That's what's up. <laughs> and um, I had gotten to a point that um, I gave up. And um, I had given up even believing that there was a God. Um, if I referred to anything, I would say the creator or the universe. And I had just, it was, it was done. Like, I was like, I can't do this no more. Um, and... I only knew church because that's what I was told, not because that's what I was taught. And nothing negative on my parents, but I just wasn't taught. So every time I tried God, it didn't work out how I thought it would. So I was at a point 
when the ish hit the fan, I was like, okay, I'm done. And before that, I was actually done. Um, but during that time, like I, 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 I like my fine libations. And um, during that time, I made a conscious decision not to drink anything, not wine, not cocktails, not anything, because I did not want to turn into an alcoholic because I was going through so much. And I was an alcoholic at one point some years back or I was on the verge. And I guess that helped keep my mind clear. And I came to church one day because I knew I was like, if I, it was like right in the midst of, I knew that if I stayed home, I'd probably be drunk or high. And I don't even do drugs, but I was going to because I needed another outlet. Um, so that's when everything shifted for me. And it was an opportunity for me. I still don't know how to describe it, but it wasn't anything because I was told. It was like an experience for myself. So that's why I say to challenge myself, my faith, and, and, um, and the decision that I made. One thing that I love about you, Nina, is um, you, you don't lie. Uh, <laughs> no. whatever, whatever you feel like is what's going on either you won't say anything at all or you just blurt this is what it is and I don't care and that's what it is yeah get over <laughs> it um I remember when I left home and came back um my my father you know he I, he asked me what happened why should I trust you now so I understand not being able to explain with words what happened to you, and so therefore you made a decision uh, to do things differently. Um, I wonder if you go back just a second, and if you knew, um, I had this question, it says, uh, were you aware of the severity of your decisions, or did you just not care? Prior to? Yes, yes, prior to. When it came to me, I probably just didn't care, because I'm like, as long as it, I can handle whatever comes at me. But I wasn't aware of how my children would be affected. So before we talk about that, I think that's a good question, because I knew you were going to say that. Why didn't you care? I, I don't know. I just, I, I'm one of the, I own my stuff. So if I screw up, I'm be like, OK, well, I screwed up, and there it is. So I didn't really care. because. So what was the turning point? Was there a particular event? Was there something that happened at home? Was there something that happened in this building? Did someone say something to you? What was the, what can you go back for a hot second to the moment where you wanted to, where things shifted? I don't know. There was a lot over the last, probably since COVID happened, um, just things were progressively going but a turning point I don't know I came to church I was sitting down and Tanisha walked up to me and said hi how, or she was like hey Nina how are you and I just broke down so I guess that was the turning point because the fact that she said how are you and normally I can smile through it and I couldn't I think it's it's interesting we should never um, underestimate what happens when we just love on the people who walk in this building, those who are going in your job. Just that one simple question is something that, that it's interesting that that was a, your turning point. Um, one, one quick last question. Um, what are you convinced that you had, that you have to do as a result of your decision to come back to the table of the Lord. What's, what's that, that thing that you need God to do that you know you can't do on your own? Hmm. Well, one, I just want to say come to the table, period. That's a good thing. <laughs> it's so good. That's so true. I was never there. <laughs> now, I think I'm glad you stopped there. Think about the rest of your answer, but I think actually coming to the table is a big deal. Sometimes it's not just about what you get when you're at the table, but making the decision 
to go to the table for a lot of people is a big deal. It, the table is spread, but it ain't going to feed. Just It ain't going to jump off the table, right? You have to come to it. That's dope. So what else? Um, my children. Um, the decisions and the, my actions that have now come full circle and affected them. Um, both my girls, I've seen a difference in my three-year-old and her behavior and not in a good way. Just the things that she's experienced at such a young age that she shouldn't have had to experience. Um, she's such a bright girl. She remembers everything, which for her to be so young, to remember something two years ago, she's only three. And, um, and then my oldest daughter, how she's kind of been with me during the survival mode. So not knowing how it affects them, that's what I need God to not necessarily undo what I've, the seeds that I've planted, but um, change the plant. Change the plant? The plant. The oh, seeds that I've planted change what grows from that. Interesting. I, I love that. You know, what, one thing that I love about Nina is her is her transparency. You know, it's the Lord did not come for the well for those who are not sick. He came for those who will be honest, honest enough to say. I need some help. I am so excited and I am so proud of you because you haven't given up. I can't. <laughs> I can't. That's what's up. I, yeah. It was, up? it was literally death or God. Mm. And I tried death and I'm still here. Have mercy on us. I want to encourage you to be like Nina and at least come to the table. You never know what you're going to get. If you would, please stand to your feet and welcome our bishop, Bishop Flynn Johnson. Do I need to turn this? Oh, it's on. Good. Good morning. Ooh-wee. Take the hand of that person standing with you. See if I can bend that up a little bit. Is that helpful? A little bit. And when you're holding that person's hand, would you just uh, envision yourself um, at a banquet? A banquet, and uh, and you're going to receive what you need right now for God to take you and do with you what He wants to do with you. Is that right? Yes. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I thank you for every person who today comes to understand why you've called them to the table why you have put your hand on them and I thank you for feeding them as none other in Jesus name amen amen you may be seated can you hear me alright okay so let me take a few moments and unpack this for you I want you to go to Mark chapter 2 there are, there are, there are two in extremely important days in your life. They probably are the most important days of your life. Uh, number one, the day you're born. And the second one is the day you find out why. The day you were born and the day you find out why. 
And today, I want to share with you a young man who finds out why. It's in Mark chapter 2. Starting with verse 14. As he passed by, that is Jesus, he saw the son, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And Levi he got up and he followed him. I don't know why he followed him. I don't know how many conversations he had with him before then. I don't know if it was, if it was Jesus' first encounter with Levi. But if you open your eyes and look at the scripture, you may see things you never saw before. All we know, what we're given, is that Jesus is walking by. And, he's, and if you do just a little bit of research, you find out that he was up by the seashore there. And tax collectors were stationed to, to collect tax from anybody traveling in and out, had goods and services. Rome had seized or had overcome Israel and had set up tax booths. And Levi was one of those collectors. And Jesus, with his 12, was passing by. He sees Matthew. I don't know how many times he passed by. It could have been the first time. But whatever was in Jesus' eyes or whatever was in his voice, when he looked at Matthew, who's called Levi, and said, follow me, Levi did. If you look, this is given, by the way, this, you can write this down, you can check it out later, that this same picture is given to us in Mark, in Matthew, and in Luke, in Matthew 9, 9, and Luke 5, 27. You can check that out. And it's good to look at all three accounts because all three of them give you a different focus. And when you, when you read the Gospels, the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, some of the things that happen are, are told four times, some are, are, are three times, some are just once. This is one of those three-timers. Three, the, three of them, Matthew is in Matthew's book, in Luke's book, in Mark's book. And... It's amazing to me. It's amazing to me that one passed by. Follow me. I don't know how he said it, but however he said it. If you look in, if you look, if you look in Matthew's version, the Bible says. He got up and he left everything. And he followed him. Oh my gosh. Scene changes from one verse to the next. And it says, and it happened that he was reclining, that is Jesus, was reclining at his house. Small h, meaning small his, meaning reclining at Levi slash Matthew's house. He was reclining at his house. Are you there? At his table. And many tax collectors and sinners, and many tax collectors and sinners were dining with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many with them, and they were following him. I don't want to read the whole story for you yet. I want to let the message be the story, the story be the message. So let me give you this picture. This, it, the scene is Jesus with, the, with his entourage. Uh, I don't know if they were around him when he walked or side, but they're walking through, and Jesus Matt looks, come back to Matthew. Matthew, follow me. Oh, man. I don't know if you've ever had that experience on the street. Look at somebody in the face and follow me, see what they follow you. If you look good, they might. If you have a short skirt, they might. Amen. But, 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 but Jesus said, follow me. Scene changes. Obviously, Something is in this follow me. Because when I looked at the word, I discovered it's never, never, Jesus never says this word to those who oppose him. Never. He only says it to those who are his disciples. 
And so Matthew, Levi, it changes. And the next thing you know, when you read in a Matthew's version, <laughs> and, and Levi throw the party because Jesus was his guest. Are you there, saints? Now, um, so he, this begins. It's kind of amazing. Um, Akaluthan, it's kind of an interesting word. Akaluthan, follow me. 19 times he uses it in Mark. Never to those who are against him. Jesus is not trying to compel folk who don't want nothing to do with him. He only, he only gives this invitation to those he sees. They know something about me that attracts them. And so he asks him, follow me. And he does. The word is kind of heavy, follow me. Um, it's a load-bearing load term um, that describes the proper response of faith to the command. When you follow that command, you don't do so unless there's faith in your heart. Because when the command is given, you don't know all that's going to mean. But you have such a confidence in the person that's asking you at least Levi, he got it. He left everything. Now, well, excuse me. He is a what collector? I mean, he's all about the money. All about that money. All about that money. Right there? He, he's, he's about that money. I say, he's about that money. And, and Jesus said, uh, follow me. I don't know if he did this or this. I don't know what he did. But what's the number he did? Levi got up and, and I'm going <laughs> and left everything. Are you still there, sons? Keep tracking with me. And uh, it's kind of an amazing thing because when you follow somebody like this, it's an act of faith that involves risk and it involves cost. It's something that one does, not simply what one thinks or what someone believes or even someone says. When you say, are you a follower of Jesus? A lot of people will say yes. I think it's a problem today when you say I'm a Christian. And that may be very true for what we understand Christian to be. But you know the world doesn't understand that term like we understand that term. In fact, the world has given its own definition to that term Christian. And it's not positive. We say amen things. Sometimes when people say, well, who do you have? I'm a follower of Jesus. Well, that means I'm willing to risk everything I'm willing to risk everything to go where he wants me to go. If I'm following him, I'm going where he wants me to go. Talk to your neighbors. If you're following him, you're going where he wants you to go. Keep reading with me. And, and Levi gave a big reception for him in his house. That's Luke 5, 29. He gave a big reception. So it's popular in those days. If you had someone who was famous, if you had someone who was renowned, and you had them in your you could have them in your house. By the way, Levi was a tax collector, therefore he made some money. He made money. Look at your neighbor and say, he made money. I, I want to make this clear. Jesus went after somebody who knew how to make money. Amen. This is not a poor man's religion. This is not a poor man's religion. Jesus went after and said, you, come here, follow me. He knew that man made money. Look at your neighbor and said, don't feel bad if you love, if you love to make money. Don't, don't feel bad. Jesus obviously loves folks who make money. And he, 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 and Matthew, he's so, he, Levi's so excited. He, 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 he said, hey, servants, hey, servants, get the food ready. Get the, get the, get the barbecue lamb out. Come on. He started fixing. Man, he throws a huge reception. And this is common and popular in those days. And his house, by the way, tax collectors were on the top end of the income earners in that culture. Look at your name and say, the top end. <laughs> yeah, that means, you know, he had, a, he had obviously an incredible house. I love the fact that you talked about our house that we get in. Hello, somebody. But look at somebody say, it's okay to have an incredible house. 
Yeah, he, he saw the big party, you know, big party. Had long table. Amen, somebody. If you look closely enough in biblical literature, you'll find some descriptions of those houses. It said that the, high, the ceilings were usually 20 feet high. And the walls were covered with, with all kind of tapestry and, and the floors were special. And it was, very, it was very opulent, very beautiful. And obviously this table set was quite amazing. But you should know something else about this story that I think is very important. Not only did he throw this reception, there was a great crowd. A gr Tell your neighbor that there was a great crowd that showed up. It's kind of important that you understand that it's a great crowd because I want, to, I want you to make note of who's there. If you really want to know what's happening in the party, when Jesus is, note who's there. There are three groups of people that are there. First of all, and the first two follow Jesus. The third group, of the, they, they now follow us. They're just gossipers. Mm. Um, the, the first group is the tax collectors and the sinners. You need, to write, you need to get that clear in your mind what that means. The tax collectors and the sinners. And then the other one, that, there's, there's three categories. Jesus and his disciples and the tax collectors and the sinners and the scribes and the Pharisees. Now the scribes and the Pharisees were the religious people. They were the people who, um, they were the people who are supposedly the sanctimonious. They were the religious ones. They were the ones that he, he come right on my, on my hat, my Cadillac, you know. They, 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 they yes, yes. They, 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 they were the religious people. They were the people who flaunted, who flaunted their knowledge of the scripture, who expanded the rules of the scripture. They were pious. They were religious. They weren't necessarily spiritual. They were learned. They had the doctoral degrees, if you were, if, as it were. The scribes are the ones, of course, who were make sure every jot and tittle was right, and the Pharisees are the ones who taught. And they were decked out. And they had ought with this new teacher on town, in town who had been draw, uh, drawing crowds all over the place. They could hardly draw, they could hardly draw a handful. Folks were sick of listening to them because their words didn't line up with their life and their life didn't li line up with their words. They were hypocrites. And I think, I'm un it's unfortunate right now, but our culture has become that. We are now in a culture we are now in a culture that laughs at the church, that mocks us. They want to laugh, they put our church services on, turn the sound off and have a blast. Oh yeah. And, 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 they, and every movie that has anything to do about religion, they mock us. I saw, I saw, a, a, I saw an advertisement of a, of a movie that's coming and, and how would, wouldn't you know it, it's on black television, oh God. And, and uh, 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 Tracy Morgan, uh-huh, I, I can't call the other ones, I just know Tracy, comedian. And, and the, the commercial was about the preacher's daughter having sex. Oh yes, oh yeah, and, and, she, and, the, and the woman said in the advertisement, well you know, never don't tell your children not, not to have sex, because if you tell them not, not to have sex, it make them want, them want sex the more. That's why them preachers' daughters, that's why them preachers' daughters are the worst daughters in the world. That's why they so freaked out. And, and then he said, because well, they, they're having sex everywhere. This is called the commercial. And, 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 the, and Tracy Morgan said, I need to go to church more. Anyway, it's, it's, ama it's amazing. Our reputation is horrible. Particularly churches and congregations that have forgotten what it's like to be at the table of Jesus. That's one, one of the groups that were there. Scribes, Pharisees. They didn't actually come in the meeting, by the way. There was an open portico, so they would stand on the outside of the portico and criticize and ask questions. Yeah. Have you ever had people ask you a religious question? Why you got that in your hand? Why you wearing that? Yep. Come on. 
Am I the only one here? The Pharisees are the mockers, the, um, the criticizers, the condemners. You can decide what group you're in, but if you find yourself always condemning, criticizing, and putting down people in the, in the sinner's category, by the way, let me read for you about the sinner's category. This is the, this is the category, that was another category at the table, the, 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 the sinners, yeah. The, the sinners, they, they were there at the party. The gamblers, see if any of this lines up with any of y'all. They, <laughs> The gamblers, I ain't got no amens. Okay, the, the, the gamblers were there. And by the way, the, by the way, they were at the house, reclined at the table with Jesus. The gamblers. Do they gamble in Atlanta? Every football game, right? Come on, y'all, talk to me. The gamblers were there. Who else was there, Bishop? I'll tell you who else was there. The money lenders. You got any, you got any money? Got any, got any money lenders? Oh, yeah, this kind of sunk down, didn't it? Any, any, anybody ever been to the, the, the loan sharks? You know, they're not a conventional bank. They don't want nobody to know their business, you understand? They, they charge you 50% interest on everything, you know. You know. Nobody ever been to the lot. Desperate, you got to get some money. Went to the lot. The loan sharks. Oh, okay, I got it. Shot, shot houses. I can't get no help. Shot houses. Y'all know what a shot house is? You, you can't you got enough money to buy the whole bottle. You go down there and get a dollar, get a shot. You don't even know who drank out that glass because they don't know who drank out that glass. Is that what they call it, Jellyland? Yeah. They were there at the party. They were there. Look at your name and say, they were there at the party. Who else was there? The violent. The violent. The violent were there. Even shepherds were there. Tax collectors obviously were there. Some of them were criminal elements, but many of them were just laborers and commoners who were either too busy or too poor or too ignorant to live up to the rules and regulations of the Pharisees. Religion had become a burden. Nobody wanted to be bothered. Nobody wanted to, get, nobody wanted to go through all that. And by the way, when I wanted to tell you a moment ago, there was a moment the Lord gave us in asking, in praying and asking, that is a, a, a sovereign moment when God gives the heavens open and you have an opportunity to step into what God is doing and agree with what God is doing. How many of you can understand what I'm saying right now? If you stepped into that moment, give, give the Lord praise and give him thanks. I'm really amazing. And I need to also remind you, I was reminded standing there, that those moments come in the presence of the body of Christ. It's not the building, it's the people you're among. Look at your neighbors, it's not the building, it's the people you're among. It's the people you're among. Because Jesus said, well, two or three are gathered together in my name. He's, what did he say? There I am in the midst of them. And when you get those moments, you treasure that moment. You write it down. Are you there, saints? And you report when God does it. Because some of you have forgotten, this is not the church house. This is, you, you are the house. Look at your neighbor and say, you are the house. And when you gather together, when we gather together in his name, he promises us he will show up. He will be there. And when he gives us those moments, we need to cherish them. Amen. I'm sorry, forgive me, but you can't get that, those moments at home. You can't get those moments at home. God has reserved those moments for when we gather as his church. And here Jesus is at this table. This tax collector, I'm sorry. Let me do this right quick. Do you understand what it means to be a tax collector? The only friends they have are the people that do the same thing they do. Are you all there? Let me, let me read it for you. It might help you. If you're a tax collector, if you're a tax collector, you are, in, in Israel, you are despised. If you're a tax collector in America, you're despised, but nobody tells you that. When the, when the scribes and the Pharisees saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, 
<laughs> they said to his disciples, why, why is he eating with and drinking with these people? Who are these people? Tax collectors are obviously despised, hated. Anyone who is a, who's familiar with a mole or a snitch or an informant, are you there, saints? Whether it's Nazi or whether it's communist regimes, you, if you understand what that is, how much they are hated by their own people, loathed them. The Jewish people loathed tax collectors because they were the same cult, culture. They were the same race, but their profession was hated. Are you there? <laughs> In the Talmud, that, that Jewish piece of literature, it gives scathing arguments and judgments about tax collectors. They lump tax collectors with thieves and murderers. A Jew, a Jew who collected taxes was disqualified. He could never be a judge and he could never be a witness in court. Exactly. A, a tax collector was expelled from the synagogue. You couldn't even come into the, the place of worship. Are you there, saints? He was, it, it, it was a disgrace. It, it caused disgrace to him and anybody in his family if he did that. A tax collector was uh, the, the touch, listen that, the touch of a tax collector's hand would render a person unclean, whomever he touched, and they were not, they were forbid to come into the sanctuary. Jews were forbidden to receive money or even gifts or alms. You couldn't even receive an offering from a tax collector. They hated him so bad. Are you there, saint? From tax collectors, since revenue, uh, the revenue of taxes was, was looked at as robbery and robbery from your own people. A Jewish, the Jewish concept of, of tax collector, the Jewish concept of tax collectors is epitomized by the ruling that, that Jews could, you could lie to a tax collector and have impunity. You could lie and be forgiven. That's how bad they hated a tax collector. Actually, it's worse than that. The tax collectors were, were, were reminders of Roman domination. They, they were detested. They were considered unclean. Many Jewish extremists considered submission to Roman, anything that was Roman, even their system of taxation, as treason to God. That's, that's how bad it was. Hanging with Levi brings Jesus again into contact with unclean persons. Here you go again. He hanging out with the people we can't stand. He going up in their house and some tables were not high, some tables were low, so you recline. He going to lay out with people we can't stand. But let me remind you, my brothers, my sisters, whatever table Jesus comes to, the table doesn't defile him. He sanctifies the table. Oh, hallelujah. Don't, don't forget, don't, and don't get it twisted. Wherever he, whatever house he goes in, that no matter what defilement be up in that house, when he goes in that house, that house becomes purified. And whatever table he sets at, it becomes blessed. And the, 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 the scribes and the Pharisees, they couldn't stand that. And the people would all gather around. Oh, can, I, can I come? Can I come? Can I get in? Have you ever seen those movies where they'd be outside the club trying to get in? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. They want to be, they want to be around Jesus. And, and, and the, the, it's amazing who he drew. It's amazing who he compelled. So open your eyes for just a few more moments and check it out. Here we have these three, these three groups gathered around. And, and Jesus, because his collaboration with the Gentiles, the way Jesus hung out, you have to study his life to understand. Only 20% of his time was big public speeches. 80% of his time 
was in folks' homes. Are you still breathing, saints? You think Jesus might have had a plan? I think so. And so he, he's there. He's hanging with folks who are morally contemptuous and ritually unclean. It may be that that contact with Levi was actually more offensive than contact with a leper since a leper's condition was not chosen. But a tax collector chose his defilement. He chose his profession. And Jesus said, hey, Levi, follow me. And Levi said, me? Yeah, follow me. And, and Levi leaves everything and starts to follow. Hey, Jesus, I, I want to make, make a reception for you. And I can hear Jesus say, and make sure you bring your friends. All my friends? Yeah, bring all your friends. See, see, some of y'all don't, don't get this, but you know, when, 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 uh, Lord, help me, please. Is there anything in your life, is there anything of God in your life that's attractive enough to people who are, who are rejected by others? Is there anything in your life enough to draw people to come and sit at your table? Or to have you come and sit at their table? I want to say it to you. I want to talk to the church that's been sanctified by the blood of Jesus. When you go put your feet under their table, that table changes. Let the people say amen. Clap your hands if you can believe what I'm saying. And so the Lord, he said, yeah, bring all your friends, Levi. All my, all my friends. He brings all his friends. And people say, hey, Jesus over Levi. Levi, Levi throwing a party. I don't know what era you grew up, but I grew up in the era of the neighborhood house parties. Some of y'all not young enough. Some of y'all have no clue what I'm talking about because today you don't do that today. But back there in the day, when there was, we, weren't, we were gangsters, but not quite as bad. And, and, and uh, uh, we, were, we were OGs, but, the, but, 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 but we had a little respect. You understand what I'm saying? So when they had a house party, oh my God. I don't know how the word got out. We didn't have internet. Didn't have cell phones. But the word got out. We said, party over, party over here, party over here. And man, we, we were bum rushed that house. Now, now, when I need you, Chris, behind the, you know, when I need some funky music, you know. <laughs> and, and we would all, man, the whole house just be rocking. People sweating. Hello, somebody. <laughs> Running, locking the bedroom doors, make sure nobody, yeah, okay, all right, well. It, it was a party. And you could always tell how awesome the party was by whether they had any food or not. And our house parties had food for about five minutes. But they kept something to drink. Hello, somebody. And, and, and some of y'all don't remember this. You had a little something up on your belt. You know, poured it in there. <laughs> and they're sitting around the table and Jesus is, he is in his element. You know, what, what, what burdens me today is most of the church would not be. We wouldn't even think this way. But Jesus, that was his intention. And don't forget, that's not the only tax collector he was with. He saw Zacchaeus. When Zacchaeus saw him, he said, whoa, that, I never seen him. I heard about him, but I never seen him. He climbed up the tree, little short man. He climbed up, he said, whoa, and Jesus said, hey, Zach, me, yeah, you, Zach. What? He said, I'm coming to your house. My house? He said, come down. I'm coming to your house. Zach said, whoa. You know, uh, when you got money, uh, you can have everything you want. And even the, but, but even the friends you have are bought. I bet that man was so excited. Can you imagine when all of Zach's tax friends heard that Jesus was coming to his house? Oh, my God. Party over here. Party over here. Party over there. Man. Before he had the party, Jesus said, I'm, I, all 
he said, he, he, by the way, he never said, Zach, repent. Mm. I, wanna, I want you to point this out in this story. When all those guys are laying around, I mean, we're talking about hoods. Y'all talking about hood? And he never says, repent. And I want you to get this today. I believe the Lord particularly gave us this because we, so that we could receive it and be, and be what other people need so badly. It's obvious he loved them. It's obvious that he had in his heart, he wanted to be with them. Unfortunately for most people in the church, we don't care nothing about people that, that fit this description I just gave. We're too busy trying to be clean. We don't be associated. We've got to protect our reputation. We don't want that person to be seen coming in our apartment. We're too afraid of what the other religious folk might think. By the way, those folk who might criticize you are only doing so because they, they ain't got no parties themselves. But the Lord is showing us something. Levi, I'm not afraid to come to your table. In fact, I want to come. I'm not afraid because I understand the scripture. It is not the altar that, sac that, that sanctifies the sacrifice. It's not the altar. It's not that makes the sacrifice sacred. No, the, the, the offering makes the altar sanctified if the offering comes from a heart that is sanctified. And for most of us in the church, we have never even thought of entertaining, pulling out our best on y'all, that china got dust on it, you ain't used it in 25 years. You got that beautiful china, that beautiful glassware up in the cabinet, what that for? What that for? Well, you know, someday I might have a... Right. You're going to pull it out one day. You don't, you don't pull it out on, on Easter. Come on. All right. Because all the grandkids come, they break up everything. Yes, Hello, sir. somebody. Yes, you, don't pull, you, don't pull, you don't pull it out. <laughs> you don't pull it out on Thanksgiving. Some of you have never thought about this. Because when you sit at someone's table, even to this very day, it is an When you come to a table, it is a, it, it is a declaration of friendship. A declaration of relationship. Because you can't sit at somebody's table and not share. Even if you're not talking, you're sharing. Somebody, for you to, somebody to, to let down their guard, open up their home. Lord have mercy. Without having, you know, the, the sawed-off shotgun in the corner just in case. And so I want you to see this today. And here we have tax collectors and sinners. It's kind of ironic because tax collectors, they get the money from the sinners. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Uh, maybe it's for me to understand. A tax collector is working for Rome. And there's a certain amount Rome expects. That's right. Tax collector charges a certain percentage over what Rome expects. Yes, sir. And keeps the difference. Yes, sir. And gives Rome their part. And they were bank. They had bank. And, and the people hated them. So they're, they're, they're mad with Jesus. I'll close this down. They're mad with him. They're disgusted with him. And Jesus is not upset that they're disgusted. I want to say to every single one of you here today, if you decide that you will begin to hear like God wants you to hear, and you begin to do what he wants you to do, it'll begin to change It'll begin to change your heart and, 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 and you begin to distinguish about who you, whose opinion you're concerned about. Come on. And so the Lord, he sits at that table. Lord, I wish I could have heard, I, I sort of wish I would have heard the rest of the conversation because it had to be awesome. And with, check this out. While they're in the midst of this conversation 
always something wonderful to eat, always something powerful to drink. <laughs> I'm laughing because I can hear religious, I can hear religious people online right now. Mm -hmm. Yes, <laughs> yeah. But Jesus sitting there, conversation. You know the conversation is going to get around to lifestyle. See, there wasn't, it wasn't impunity. It wasn't impurity that drew people to Jesus. It wasn't like sinfulness that drew folks to Jesus. His, his pure attitude. His love for people. Genuinely, he, he said, I came for those who were lost. I came to seek and to save those who are lost. Kind of a different, I, I think I need you right now. That'll help me, that thing, that'll help me shut up. Uh, I, I, I came so that the people who, who everybody else is rejecting, who don't even think they have a shot, Remember the two guys that came in the temple? Remember the two guys that came? One, one was a Pharisee. He came in the temple. He said, I thank God that I am not like one of these sinners. He was a Pharisee. And then the Bible says, actually, the, the, the intonation is that he's a Gentile, not even a Jew. He comes in the temple, or, like, or he's a Jew, but he's not necessarily like a, 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 mixture, a mixture. He comes in the temple, and he won't, even raise, he, won't lift, he won't even lift up his head. He's just beating on his chest. He said, Lord, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus was comfortable with the second guy. Mm. Jesus was not comfortable with the first. Right. What I think about when I look at this scene, I think about where we were, where we came from. Because there's a third group at the table that's Jesus and his disciples and the disciples said nothing I think his disciples were wrestling in themselves with their own prejudicial attitudes as who could be in God's company who couldn't Like last week, that brother said, shut her up, shut her up. She keeps hollering at us. I think his disciples are sitting back, probably nervous. Because some of them might have been strapped. And Jesus is absolutely in comfort. He's where he's supposed to be by the Father God. He's in the exact company that God has chosen for him. Church, when are our eyes going to get opened again? We know we will have the favor of God when we begin to hang out and they begin to hang out with us. Some of your, some of the gangsters, thieves, and, and hustlers are some of them are your very family. I'm looking at people who sit here. I'm, I'm looking at people online today who your your cousins, your uncles, they are the drug dealers. They are the ones who actually are covering up what they really want by what they do. And isn't it ironic? They don't run to the church to get what they want. They don't believe that if I come to a, a place called the house of God, I don't, they don't believe they'll get what, the truth 
the honesty, the deliverance that they need. And Jesus, without any, with none, with no condemnation, is sitting there. And one of the Pharisees, one of the Pharisees looks up and says to them, one of them looks up and says to them, <laughs> it's kind of amazing to me how, how they saw things. He looks up at him. Why are you and your disciples eating and drinking with the tax collectors and the sinners? It's Mark 2.16. What? They, they, they would not only discuss among themselves, when you look at the other two versions, they question, why are you with these? these? Why are you hanging out with these white folks? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I meant. Why you got them up in your house? Their inference is, they are defiled and now so are you. And that's why we're standing out here, criticizing you. Now I need you to hear me, Metro. I need you to man up, woman up. I need you to man up, woman up about any contradiction or any, 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 uh, um, uh, any, any negative spoken to you about your work of the kingdom of opening your life and opening your home and putting somebody's feet under your table that others wouldn't even dare. Jesus, look at Jesus' answer, I'll go home. And they look at him and uh, he says, why are you eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus responds to them and hearing this Jesus said to them it's not those who are healthy who need a physician look up at me now look at your neighbor and, and speak it on them you are the physician <laughs> it's the will of God that his church take his place and now we become the physician He said, he said, the well, they don't need no physician. Who needs a doctor? The fact that you, if someone doesn't think they need help from God, they don't get help from God. Not because help is not available, but unless, until you see, I need help, you don't get the physician. You have to recognize your own sickness for the Lord to be to, 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 to bring about the healing that, that's needed in your life. You gotta recognize your own, you, you gotta recognize that I'm I'm in I'm in need of prayer. So it's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need. Jesus said, He said, uh, but I have come to call. I didn't come to call the righteous, but I've come to call sinners. So I want to end. I want to end this this way today. If you think you're all right, and you think you don't need Jesus' help then you don't qualify for his help. You're only qualified if you know you need his help. There's no shame to say, I need help. It's no shame for you to acknowledge the fact that, you know, I know where I am and, and how do you know, check this out, how do you know where you are? Well, all you gotta do is get close to where Jesus is. His light will shine on you and expose every dark place in your life. So I speak to you as a church today. 
You might want to get this. The closer you get to him, the more you need him. Maybe one reason why we can't minister this way and God bring his mighty presence into your midst and into your home and bring salvation to people who need him so bad. Maybe it's because you need it yourself. In fact, if you can admit your sin, you get remittance of your sin. If you can admit, man, Lord, you know, it's interesting that Jesus never told Zach, he never told him anything negative, but Zacchaeus, when he got close to Jesus, all that stuff started coming. He said, Lord, you know that stuff I took? I'm going I'm, I'm to return it. How many fold? How many fold? Just, just, just by getting in his presence. They said, Lord, you know that, you know, since you love me, you, you know, you're, you, you're calling me. That stuff that's in my life, I'm ready to get rid of it. Stand on your feet. Stand on your feet. That's, that, that stuff that, that doesn't please you. By the way, when you come close to the love of Jesus and the fellowship of Christ, the things that are displeasing to him begin to become displeasing to you. So first I want to, first what I want to do, I want to say to those of you that say, that say, would say with me, Bishop, I love the interview. I love the interview. Because if you're just willing to come to the table, everything that God wants to touch and heal, God will do it. If you'll just be willing to come into company, Some of you today would say, Bishop, you know, I've been hanging around. I, my lifestyle might even be akin to some of the things you described. But because I'm here today and, and when you start singing that song, you have rescued my life. It, it, it brings up, oh my God, the stuff that, Lord, I need you to rescue me from this. I want to do that right now. Those of you that would say in your heart, I got some stuff I need Jesus to rescue me from. I want you to come and I want you to just meet with me just for a few moments in this place we call an altar. And you may come. And when you come, I want you to understand that the Lord Jesus is not condemning you. He's not putting you down. He's not criticizing you. First gospel we got in the New Testament, Matthew, Levi. I don't know how many folk he ripped off. I don't know how many folk he, but when he met Jesus, when Jesus reached to him, called him, called him like a disciple, follow me, he went. Thank you for give, give, giving me something to pray with these for just a few moments. The reason why this is important because if, if, you will, if you'll decide to get close to him, you can't get close to Jesus without him changing you. It's his very nature. If you've got things that have been overwhelming your life, if you fall into the category, I've been around a while, been a lot of church services, my life away from, my life away from the building is a whole different life than when I'm in the building. You come in the building and among the people of God who love God, 
all of a sudden you feel like, oh my God. Lift your hands in this altar right now in the name of Jesus because the Holy Spirit wants to increase His presence. When, when, the, when the presence of Jesus is over you, then the power of Jesus begins to overcome all darkness in your life. When the presence of Jesus is, is over you, it gives you power to deliver life that pleases Him. Come on, begin to, begin to pray with me. Just begin to pray with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your holy presence. Thank you, Jesus. Lord Jesus, I bless you today for your presence over these who are asking to be closer to you, Lord. They come to the table, the place, where they might receive. I thank you, Heavenly Father. I praise you for it in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, that you would make us fit to do the work of your kingdom, to be your church. I thank you, Father. We keep putting our feet under your table because we know if we just hang with you, we will be changed. We will be filled. We will be sanctified. We will be cleansed. I bless your name, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You love to be around those who are sinners. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You love to ease their torment. You love to remove their shame. You love to cause them to walk upright. May your church become that ministry. Let the ecclesia, let the house of God become that ministry. Let faith come. That whatever table we set for those who are lost, Lord, not only will you bring them, you will transform them. You will change them. Thank you, Father. I bless your name today. I give you praise. There's room at the table. There's no condemnation at the table. There's room for you. The Father has a place. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just for you. Bless your name. Bless your name. I give you praise. I give you thanks. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Begin to clap your hands and give the Lord praise today.